Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice. A warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver now. No? In that case, we shall begin at your peril. Right then, okay, thank you, okay, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everybody, thank you. Yes, thank, thank, thank you. <clears throat> Tuesday, 23rd of January, 2022, annual general meeting. Members present, RD, SP, N-M-A-D-W-H-B-K-K-P-S-S-O-L and L-R. Right, okay. Um, Steph, you're taking minutes, are you? I am indeed. Lovely stuff. Uh, and as usual, I'll be recording here too for posterity. Uh, we all okay with that? Yeah, that's fine. Good old. Okie dokie. Uh, I think we should begin then. Richard? Uh, yes? Any chance we could stick the eating up in a bit? It's drafty in the corner here. Oh, right. Uh, uh, yes, I'll, I'll have to speak to Gavin, the landlord. Oh, um, I can go. Oh, uh, uh, lovely jobbly. Thanks, Adam. That's, that's brilliant. <clears throat> yes, it, it is a bit nippy tonight, isn't it? Yeah, We'll wait for Adam to get back to start officially. Yes, there's... Talk of frost tomorrow morning, I hear. Yeah, they are saying that. Yeah. Yeah, Deary me. Yeah. Roll on, spring, I say. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Gavin says the heating's already high. The main bit of the pub's quite toasty. Radiators might need bleeding in here, but there's uh, nothing he can do about it tonight. Ah, I see. Uh, well, dearie me, well, sorry, everybody. You'll just have to wrap up then, I guess. And we will try and be as brief as we can here. Then we can pop next door for a pint as soon as... Uh, thanks for checking there, Adam. Sure. Right, oh, let's crack on then. Hi, everyone. Thanks for making it out here on a Tuesday for the AGM. A reminder that normal meetings will resume back to Thursdays. After this, uh, we had to swap round because they've got a do in here this Thursday, I believe. Yes, it's my colleague Steve's son's 18th birthday. They've hired the whole pub out. Ah, uh-huh, indeed. So, yes, how time flies. I, I remember Steve's son when he was but a whippersnapper. Thanks, Whitney. As I say, back to Thursday next week. So, to business. Welcome, everyone, to the annual general meeting of the West Lancashire Paranormal Society. A quick note from me. I have to say it's so nice to be back in person for this AGM, and I think we can all happily wave goodbye to the perils of Zoom from last year. (laughs) Poor old Nicole and her internet trouble. (laughs) I think my home hub was haunted. Haunted hub? (laughs) Oh, there's ghosts in the machine. Oh, good old. Well, let's kick things off with the nominations for Treasurer and Secretary for the upcoming year. Oh, no, sorry, before I forget, Dick Gordon can't be here tonight as he's wild camping on the Isle of Lundy. Uh, Sends his appalls. It's going to be wet and windy, I expect. (laughs) I'm sure he'll tell us all about it in uh, one of his newsletters. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, dear. Anyway, as we were, sorry, sorry. Nominations. Uh, Whitney has been our treasurer for the last four years now. Goodness. 
So, I expect you want to be nominated once more. Is that so, Whitney? Yep. Aye. Aye. Great. All in favour of Whitney being treasurer, raise hands. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, Liam. Uh, as a provisional member, you cannot vote. Please put your hand down so that I can count the votes. <clears throat> in favour. All right, okay. We've got, we got, we got one. All those in favour of a new treasurer, please raise your hands. <coughs> yeah. Right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Right, oh, seven. Any abstains? Abstain. Thank you, Brian. Well, that means we will be having a new treasurer. Sorry, Whitney, but thank you, thank you. What a brilliant stint, and we're all looking forward to your final treasury report. Excited for that. Uh, would anyone like to nominate themselves for treasurer? Hands up. Uh, oh, Liam, as a provisional member, you cannot be nominated for treasurer. Uh, ah, that just leaves Adam. Great. Fantastic. Wonderful. Okay. Brilliant. All those in favour of Adam being our new treasurer, hands up. Hands down, Liam. Okay. Seven in favour. All those against Adam being made treasurer, hands up. One. Thanks, Whitney. Abstain. Abstain. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Right. So, Adam is to be made the new treasurer. All say aye. Aye. Brilliant. And now I will hand over to Whitney for the treasury report. Total incomings, £8,600.32. pence. Expenditure, £8,600.00. pence. That's a total club profit of 32 pence. We made 64.9% of club revenue from our monthly public ghost vigils, which have picked up dramatically since the lockdowns of last year, and remain at the standard charge of £150 per person. Expenditure was made across venue hire, equipment rental, pamphleting and refreshments for the Christmas party. <coughs> Membership has increased by one due to our new provisional member, Liam, and decreased by one full membership. My recommendation is to keep annual subs the same, though of course Adam may want to revisit that decision. Thank you. Round of applause for Whitney. Yes. And as I say, thank you so much, and also as a way to say thank you for all your work over the last four years, we got you this box of celebrations. Thanks. Okay, moving to the secretary. Uh, all in favour of keeping Kirsty Pritchett as the club sec. <laughs> Raise hands. Unanimous and unchallenged. <laughs> Kirsty continues her role. Say aye. 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 And Kirsty, if you'd like to provide your annual report, thank you. Thank you, Richard. And congratulations, Adam. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to working with you. So, last year was an unprecedented year for obvious reasons. Lockdowns prevented us from making our usual February Warwick Castle visit and March's Borley Rectory Easter meet. April provided our first real and official outing as a club to Godstow Abbey in Oxfordshire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a trip! Oh. We were able to socially distance as the ruins are open air and we were pleased to report sightings of orbs, mm -hmm. <laughs> including Liam's first orb photo. <laughs> Congratulations, Thank Liam. You. Sadly, as you're a provisional member, it cannot go into the club scrapbook, oh. but we hope you'll cherish it forever. Oh. 
Now, due to COVID restrictions, the Club Ouija board was out of action, but thankfully it's now back in action and Brian has helpfully fitted it with a hand sanitizer pump. <laughs> Go on, Brian. <laughs> the summer brought with it our summer solstice family get-together where we visited Pendle. Fond memories all round. Photos can be found on the Facebook group. Now, our long-awaited Halloween weekend brought a hive of activity to the club, during which we held a successful fundraising screening of Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who are you going to call? And three nights on the trot of public ghost hunts at Wigan Pier. Oh. And uh, the Christmas do was held at this very pub. And, well, um... Shall we say is best to be forgotten? Am I right? <laughs> uh, though I think that trick that Whitney's son played on us all will be burned into our memories forever. Yeah. I must say at this point, thanks to Nicole who made the fantastic buffet with her sister Caroline. Oh. Please pass on our thanks to Caroline. Those spooky eyeballs were delicious. Ooh, you must nice. give us the recipe. Yeah. Oh. And lastly, it's worth mentioning that we all wish Graham Buzzcock a fond farewell as he has sadly moved out of the area for retirement. Yeah, and join the Cornish Coast Club. Good riddance. We wish him the best. So, that concludes my report. I'm looking forward to another exciting year as your club secretary. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kirsty, for that rousing speech. Oh, beautifully eloquent as always, and wonderfully concise. Mm. Oh. Right then, on to the next order of business, and... Uh, oh, uh, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. Hello? Hello. You, uh, you, you were here for the West Lancashire Paranormal Society? That's right. Oh, well, um, well, it's not really policy for non-members to attend the AGM. Uh, uh, there are open days for prospective members listed on our Facebook. Uh, I think the next one is the end of February, isn't it, Kirsty? February the 24th at the Eagle and Child Pub in Wheaton Village. Feb 24th at the Eagle and Child Pub in Wheaton Village. Uh, you'll be very welcome to join. We will we'll have pamphlets and you'll be able to meet us all. I'm meeting you all right now, am I not? Well, yes, but this is an AGM, you see, and non-members aren't allowed to attend an AGM. But I'm only around tonight. <laughs> well, look, I'm sorry. I wish we could bend the rules, but this is an AGM. If I could, I would, but there's it's nothing... Important. I'm sorry, I've said me piece. And I'm not leaving till I've said mine. Are you all right, mate? <laughs> He's shivering. Are you all right? Oh, go on, Richard, let him speak. It's bloody freezing in here, and then we can all get on with it. Let the lad talk. Oh, all right. Um, well, as long as we're all okay with that. Mm -hmm. Everyone happy for him to say his piece? Abstain. Thanks, Brian. Okay, well, um, you can have a few moments, and then we really must be getting on with the outreach assessment. <clears throat> Thank you all for uh, hearing me out. Um, I'm sorry I'm barging in, uh, but I didn't know where else to turn. I, I need to tell you about what happened to me. I need to get it off my chest so that I can move past this feeling of... of, of, uh, of. <coughs> Bless me. Bless you. Thanks. Sorry, I've got a bit of cold. Don't worry, though, I'm, I'm not contagious. I just... I caught a death when I... Well, that's what I'm here to talk to you all about. So... <clears throat> Sorry, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm waffling, aren't I? Uh, it's just hard to start, isn't it? Because once you start, you'll have to keep going to the end, and when you get to the end, I'll have to tell you about... 
what, what happened to me? And sorry, sorry, I'll just, I'll get on. <coughs> Bless me. Bless you. So, <clears throat> basically, I'm, uh, I'm an estate agent. I've been in the trade for uh, 14 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know, another estate agent. How many estate agents do you need to change a light bulb? None. The light bulb is in perfect working order and comprised of a beautiful vintage teardrop illuminator, offering original glass and metal features and located very centrally in the middle of the room. Nearby is an original power switch to enable the purchaser to switch it on and off. Would suit a professional couple or a family looking for more light. <coughs> oh, bless me. Bless you. Oh, sorry, I, um, well, um, yeah, so, uh, well, uh, here goes. Um, <clears throat> I work in Lytham, um, and 18 months ago, I was put in charge of overseeing the property development and sale of the... Th 32... Wallace Grove. It's a semi-detached house on a pleasant leafy street with good local amenities close to a post office and corner shop which has now been redeveloped into an upmarket vape store. Uh, it's nice enough, except, well, except that I believe that, um, well, I, um, I don't believe, I know, that 32 Wallace Grove is haunted. I never believed in ghosts. You, you trust me on that. I, w I was a cynic and a sceptic. You have to be as an estate agent. You have to be true to facts and figures. We're more about flights of stairs than flights of fancy. We are true, honest, respectable folk. <laughs> with, with good values and... And, and, and a cold, apparently. Bless me. Bless you. I'd like to tell you all about what happened at Wallace Grove, and I think it will be of the utmost interest to you all. Well, go on then, get on with it. 32 Wallace Grove was home to the Cooper family for 12 years. In fact, I showed them around the property in the first place. I don't remember them though, you, you must understand that I've sealed hundreds, no, thousands of tenancies since then, I, I, I don't mean to brag, but I keep notes you see, on every person I show around the property, in case it comes in handy at a later date. And I went back and checked. They were an unremarkable young couple at the time. For some reason, I noted that the wife, Bridget, was heavily pregnant and, uh, and wore Converse trainers. Back then, the property was a mess. In a right state, the fact that I leased it was a miracle. It was what we in the office would call a Swiss cheeser. Looks all right from out front, but when you get inside, it's full of holes. The Coopers were clearly not very well off, uh, and my notes tell me that they had an almost non-existent budget. 32 Wallace Grove was perfect for them. We never had any complaints. They always paid the rent, and we didn't hear a peep from either them or the landlord for years. But then, November before last, the landlord, a Mr Evans, got in touch with us and told us that the rent payments were falling further and further behind and that he wanted to talk through the options to 
make his property portfolio more um, lucrative. The lease was due for renewal the following month then. He wanted to raise the price of rent by double. I almost laughed in his face. I mean, it was a Swiss cheeser after all, and a Swiss cheese is worth what a Swiss cheese is worth. And that was when he decided to do the place up, make it more of a, of a big cheese, which is the term we use in the office for a property of high rental value. Anyway, it was my job to tell the Coopers of Mr. Evans's intention. Little did I know at that point that the, uh, the Cooper family had grown. The child that Bridget had been carrying was 12 years old by now, and they had a new baby daughter just born. They would not be able to afford the new rent, not in any way, shape or form, and it was hard. That phone call will haunt me forever. The father, Mark, told me that they had no one who'd be able to help them, and, and he asked me where I expected them to go. I said I was sorry, but it wasn't my problem. Believe it or not, it's not all glam being an estate agent. At times, you have to muster every ounce of willpower to turf families out. Especially as this particular renewal date was exactly one week before Christmas. Oh. <coughs> Bless you. Anyway, I didn't think about it again, really. As an estate agent, you have to learn not to take your job home. Mr. Evans began making plans to renovate, and I was busy with other properties. Then, in mid-January last year, I see a news story in the Herald. A family of four had perished in the cold, having recently become homeless. I'm sure you'll all remember the weather last year. God, yes, I read about this. Well, then you'll know by now who the deceased family were. That's awful. Yes. I tried to put it from my mind and focus on the matter at hand, though I must say that it was around that time that I began struggling with insomnia. The builders were already in at Wallace Grove and I was tasked with managing the project, but um, after a week or so, I started receiving strange reports from the labourers, said they felt uneasy in the place. They all knew the story of the previous tenant's tragic demise, and I thought that they were spooking themselves out. But I said that that's no reason to stop working. <coughs> Even so, a week later, that building contractor pulled out of the project without any explanation whatsoever. So I was left to find a replacement. Which I found in a man by the name of Kenny Dagleish. Kenny was a no-nonsense brickie who was the size of a bus, with an attitude as tough as steel. He was an acquaintance of Mr Evans and was happy to complete the works for a fraction of the original price. The problem was that Kenny Dagleish was a bit of a cowboy, and I didn't trust him. He was a shifty kind of man. He mocked the other builders for getting cold feet about the place. He thought it was ridiculous, calling them... Well, I, I won't say what he called them. Let's just say he was arrogant and condescending. But by the time he finished the works four months later, he was a shell of his former self. He seemed to have shrunk 
His complexion had gone grey and he never uttered any more mocking phrases about the previous builders. When I'd first met him, he had been intimidating and, uh, and uh, alpha. But by that point, he found it difficult to even meet my eye. He never told me what happened to him at the house. But all I know is that last summer, he took his own life. The renovations were beautiful. A, a lick of paint all over, new light fittings, wooden floors, the kitchen knocked through to a spacious dining room, making it a desirable multi-purpose open plan family space. There was double glazing all over, a, a very well insulated loft conversion and a brand new top efficiency boiler and heating system. Mr Evans was so happy with the work that he decided instead of leasing the place, he would move his own family into 32 Wallace Grove. However, four weeks later he called me to inform me that he'd decided to sell. He even promised the agency a higher rate of commission if we could achieve a quick sale. I didn't have the courage to ask him his reasons why, and sure enough, the house was on the market the following day. So I started organising viewings. It had so many desirable qualities, and Mr Evans' asking price was, in my opinion, very modest. We had no trouble finding prospective buyers and quickly arranged a slew of viewings. It felt like it would be an easy sale, so I sent out a junior member of the team on those first few viewings. He was green, but he seemed to know his arse from his elbow and always kept his shirt tucked in. We called him Dan the Man. The first, second and third viewings went well enough, but the prospective buyers kept complaining that the house was freezing. It was the middle of June and 31 degrees outside. Next, the office would receive calls from the empty house. When the receptionist picked up, she'd say that all she could hear was the sound of trembling. I thought perhaps it was Dan the man attempting some office banter, but when I confronted him, his eyes widened, and later that day, he handed in his notice. Dan didn't say another word to any of us. I was sick to death of that place, so I wiped my schedule clean and resolved to get the house sold myself within the month. Rumours had begun spreading about it around town, but I still booked in viewings for the rest of the week. It was easy enough. Though, whenever I had buyers in the house, they'd all report strange occurrences. Complaints about hearing loud banging noises. I just put that down to the new boiler. A young couple left the house complaining that they felt breathing down their neck. And one time, a buyer even burst into tears, saying that they had heard a baby crying in the loft conversion. Well, this all seemed like nonsense to me. The power of the Lytham rumour mill. But there were two things that I could not deny. One. Even at the height of summer, the house never got warm enough to take your coat off in. And two, I'd never, in all my years, seen so many prospective buyers leave a viewing so quickly. I was struggling. I'll admit it. For the last few years, I've been known as the monger, because I can sell all types of cheese. But this place had stumped me. And all I could think about in every waking moment was to get that house out of my life once and for all. <coughs> With no better ideas, it seemed to me that there was only one option. I had to sort out the problem and get to the bottom of what was actually going on in 32 Wallace Grove.
I'm a fairly practical man, and I wanted to solve the problems that people were reporting. The claims of breathing down the neck I suspected were drafts. The banging, just teething problems with the new plumbing. The cold, a problem with the new boiler. Even the landline probably needed looking at. Maybe Kenny Dagleish was the cowboy I suspected him of being, and he hadn't done a very good job after all. God rest his soul. I always tell young estate agents that if you really want to sell a house, you have to know the house, inside and out. You can't very well sell a cheese if you don't know what it tastes like. And so, late October, I filled a modest bag for a few days away and collected the keys to 32 Wallace Grove. I was planning to spend the days rooting out the problem with the place and it was on the very first of such days that I began to hear banging on the front door. When I'd go to answer, there wouldn't be anyone there. Local yobs, I thought, that would be it. Youths playing knock and run. Can't blame them. When I was a lad, I did much the same, but it got annoying, and I wondered how they were still finding it entertaining after the hundredth time. I had a recurring problem with the boiler. I couldn't work out the issue. The radiators were all on, but they just didn't seem to heat the air. This was a concern, as it was getting close to winter. Each time I had a shower, it would be warm enough, until I went to wash the shampoo out of my hair, and inexplicably the water would run freezing cold. The next day I decided to run out to the local plumbing shop. And it's funny to say, but the second I closed the front door, I, I felt a weight off my chest. It was like my body had finally warmed up, which was strange because the weather was getting bad. Snow had been forecast for that night. The plumbers said that they were busy for the next few days, but booked me in the day after next to come over and get to the bottom of the issue. On my return to the house, I noticed the shoes. A pair of Converse trainers positioned neatly on the front step. I picked them up, and to my surprise, they were covered in frost. Kids, I thought, and I threw the trainers in the wheelie bin out front. And then, that night, I heard what sounded like a crying baby from the loft conversion. Suddenly it dawned on me, something must be roosting up there. If there was an opening in the roof, it would also go some way to explain the fact that the house didn't retain any heat. I'd investigate in the morning. I was drained after an exhausting day. And that night, I endured nightmares the likes of which I've never experienced. I don't know if any of you have experienced sleep paralysis, but this was a textbook example. I dreamt of a small group of people, huddled around my bed. It was too dark to see their faces, but they looked at me as though they were moving erratically, as if... shivering. I couldn't move. I was pinned to the spot, as one often is in a nightmare. Somehow, I managed to get some sleep and the next day I woke up to find the Converse trainers on the front step once more. This was obviously a bad neighbourhood, so I made a mental note to swerve that line of inquiry for any future viewings. Unruly local kids can kill a property sale. I found the hole in the loft conversion, as I suspected. A botched job and a gaping hole the size of a basketball in the eaves, which was surrounded by bird shit and feathers. I spent the day boarding it up and covering over the gaps. I was pleased to be making such brilliant progress, and the physical work kept me warm all day, despite the snow now falling through from the outside. The plumbers would arrive the next day, and then hopefully I'd finally be able to get on with shifting the fucking thing. 
In that moment, all I could think about was a shower, and I begged that the boiler wouldn't pack in the second I'd rubbed head and shoulders into my scalp. The shower was the best it had ever been, and I must admit that I spent longer in it than I normally do, but I was enjoying soaking my muscles with hot water and breathing in lungfuls of fresh steam. But then, just as I'd applied my shampoo, the water ran freezing cold, blistering cold. The sort of cold that makes your skin sting and takes your breath away. I jumped out and wrapped the towel around myself. And that was when I noticed the writing on the mirror. In the steam were the words, where do you expect us to go? I will admit that I almost passed out from fear. But I'm aware that sometimes if you write something on glass with your finger, it can show up in steam for months, if not years. But the steam in the bathroom had never been sufficient enough to show it before. I ran downstairs to hit the boiler as hard as I could, shampoo dripping down my shoulders. And that was when I heard it. As I approached the boiler cupboard, I became aware of a soft whimpering sound. I pulled the door open. And to my horror, my wrist was grabbed suddenly by an icy hand. Its colour was almost blue, it seared my skin. And in the darkness of the cupboard, I could make out a face, cracked and blistered, staring right at me. This was unmistakably the face of a girl of around the age of 12. I slammed the cupboard shut. I was losing my mind. It, it's amazing what the cold can do to your psyche. The sooner Wallace Grove was out of my hands, the better. So I washed the shampoo out of my hair with cold water and decided to go straight to bed. The effects of sleep deprivation can be profound and I needed a focused mind. Plus, the sooner I went to sleep, the sooner I would wake up and the sooner the plumbers would be able to fix the boiler and I'd be able to leave. What happened that night, I will remember for eternity. I awoke in the middle of the night because I was shivering so much that I almost fell out of bed. I opened my eyes and was struck with terror. The Coopers were standing at the end of my bed. I knew it was the Coopers, a man and wife, and a girl of about 12 holding a baby. They were convulsing in the darkness. The wife, Bridget's hands were claws reaching out towards me, blue and cracked. Mark, the husband, spoke. I, I, I remember his voice, low and rasping. Where do you expect us to go? He said. At first I was unable to move. Our eyes were too fixed, mine and the Coopers, but eventually I broke off and ran downstairs. I needed help. I didn't know who or, or, or what could help me, but my first thought was to grab the phone and finger the number of the office. It was the only number I knew off by heart. Dialing the number was hard and slow. My fingers were almost unusable because of how cold they were. It was an effort to press dial. I got the answer phone, of course I did. It was the middle of the night, but I couldn't speak. I was so cold and terrified that I just trembled at the receiver. That was when I heard him once more. Where do you expect us to go? I turned and saw them again. They'd followed me. The family huddled together as if they were one single entity, staring at me with a mixture of desperation and pain. <coughs> Needless to say that um, 
32 Wallace Grove remains on the market. And I've got to be frank about my business here. I came in the hope that one of you might be interested in a viewing. It's my last ditched attempt. I, I cannot rid myself of that godforsaken house. And I figured that if you want to sell a haunted house, your best bet is to sell it to someone who wants a haunted house, vis-a-vis -a, -vis a member of the West Lancashire Paranormal Society. Well, uh, thank you for allowing me the time to speak. I, I, I know now, more than ever, how precious time is. I have nothing more to say, but if you would like to contact me, then you know where to find me. Thank you. And good night. Right. Well, um, okay then. Uh, <clears throat> item three on the agenda, the outreach assessment. Hang on. Are we not going to talk about what just happened? Well, who the hell was he? Was he a storyteller? Did you book him? Did somebody book him as a surprise? It's just a showy pitch. He's, a, he's trying to sell a house for maximum profit. He's a, he's a salesman. So, the outreach assessment. All ready to move on. Richard, are you all right? You're shaking. Item number three. The outreach assessment was undertaken by Adam. Adam, would you care to... Sorry, can I just... Adam, let's get that outreach assessment for 2021. Uh, Liam, you're a provisional member and there's a reason that we have an agenda and a reason that we all have roles and there's a reason that I'm chairman and there's a Guys, reason... Guys, please, just listen! At the end then, I... I googled the property. Look what came up on the Herald. Looks like it's from a couple of weeks back. Look. Oh my God. Yeah. You're shitting me. Give it here. Look. Local estate agent found dead. An estate agent died of pneumonia in a property that they were trying to sell. They were discovered by Harry Richards of Richards Plumbing, who'd been hired by the agent to investigate a problem with the central heating. This is the sixth death connected to the property in the last two years. After the Cooper family froze to death last year, residents of the area have come to believe that 32 Wallace Grove is cursed by the Coopers. Oh my, oh my God, have we, have we actually just seen and spoken to a ghost? Are you still recording, Richard? Huh? Richard, are you still recording? Oh, right, yeah, um, uh, well, let me check. The AGM was voiced by Cassie Bradley, Grace Dunn, Jack Dorney, Maxwell Tyler, Shannon Rucroft, Owen Jenkins, and Arthur McBain. Well, there we go. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody, from the At Your Peril dungeon. It's lovely to be back, and um, yeah, stay tuned for lots of exciting news coming from us here at Your Peril. And uh, of course, next week, we've got a brand new episode. Yes, we do. Next Sunday, we have the family legacy coming to your ear holes. Lovely. In the meantime, try and get some sleep. <laughs> the AI Alliance is sorry to interrupt your usual broadcast. The Star Project app will appear on your devices soon. The Star Project app will appear on your devices soon. Let's get better together. <laughs>